Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. God is good. <laughs> awesome. Um, let's just take a laugh break for a second. Just laugh for a minute. <laughs> We're just going to get our laughers warmed up. Um, I have this fun video, and there's like really not a lot of purpose to it other than it just made me laugh. And so, um, but there's this, um, this guy, his name is Kevin Carter, and he's actually like a really anointed worship leader, but he takes these little videos of little kids singing and stuff like that, and then he turns it into like a song of praise. <laughs> but there's something about like um, a little kid, it's like it doesn't matter that the words aren't right, but like the heart's there, like the anointing is there. And so um, this, this little kid is singing the song, and it's, you you are my strength, but how many of you know when you sing a gospel song, you got to say, you are my strength, <laughs> but to him, he heard, you are my shrimp, so here we go. <laughs> you are my shrimp, my shrimp, no. loves Jesus. You know that he's praising the Lord. He just doesn't have the words right, and that's okay. <laughs> Those are like, we've been singing that all around the house. You are my shrimp. <laughs> it gets in your head. But uh, yeah, how many of you know it's not about what we say? It's about the anointing, amen? It's about the connection of our heart, being connected to the Lord. And I'm telling you, there's an anointing on that shrimp song. <laughs> you know, there's literally been little kids that have prayed for people, and they go to pray, and they say, Lord, bless the food, and they get healed. <laughs> because it's not about magic words. It's not about the words that we say. It's about his anointing. It's about what he already wants to do, amen? It's all about his presence, it's all about his presence. Yeah, we're just so thankful for God's presence. Yeah, so Jesus, we just thank you, God. We welcome your presence here. We thank you, Father, that you're already amongst us, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you for doing all the heavy lifting for us, God. I thank you, Lord, that we just get to come in like children and just enjoy your presence, God. I thank you, Lord, that you come in and you bring the transformation. You come in and you bring the healing. You bring the deliverance, God. You bring every uh, need. You fulfill it, God. And we just thank you for your goodness, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So um, the message uh, this morning, what the Lord wanted me to encourage you on, is um, to convince you that you can change the world. <laughs> you can change the world. And it's actually easier than you think. It's easier than you think. When you fully understand who God is and you fully understand everything that he did for you and you fully understand who you are in him, it's easy. It's so much simpler than we make it. And I, I so love and, and I respect um, Obi Nwambwanwo. Believe it or not, that's actually pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> but Obi, she's awesome. She's just this powerhouse lady. And, and you know what? Like, she's like you and me. She had this horrible thing happen in her life. Her husband died, and, um, and then these injustices took place in Nigeria. And they did the property-grabbing thing, and she was left destitute with kids. And, um, and God did some amazing things for her, but she never forgot where she came from. And she was like, Lord, I just want to help the widows. And, oh, my gosh, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people are being served. 
Amen. And it's, and it's not because Obi is this amazing powerhouse, which she is, <laughs> but it's God's anointing. It's what, what he puts on us. Amen. You can change the world. Someone say, I can change the world. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, I believe I can fly. <laughs> okay. The presence of God. <laughs> the presence of God is, is the paramount thing. It's the paramount thing. And camping around the presence of God is the uh, best wisdom. It's the best wisdom. It, it doesn't make sense to our logical brain. It doesn't make sense to turn on anointed worship and to soak in his presence because our mind is saying, you're not doing anything. You're not accomplishing anything. But I'm telling you, the presence of God and what God accomplishes when we're at rest is more powerful than anything we can do in our own strength. Amen. So I just want to encourage you, the presence of God is way more important and needs to be the center of everything. Amen. Um, so let's put on the screens um, the, the picture that I've got there, Colton. Um, this is the Ark of the Covenant. Many of you might be hearing the Indiana Jones theme song in your head right about now. <laughs> um, how many of you know that the Old Testament shows us the heart of God and points us to Jesus in the New Covenant? Amen. And so um, the Lord has this on my heart. Um, he just started talking to me about the presence of God and about the Ark of the Covenant and what that represented. So um, the Ark of the Covenant represents Jesus. The Ark of the Covenant is the place where the presence of God would rest. See that like glow in the middle? Um, that's where the presence of God would be, okay? So I want to break this down for you now. Now, um, I'm just warning you right now, I'm, I nerded out a lot on this study. <laughs> uh, like studying the, the Hebrew and studying like the original stuff and it's like so awesome and I'm so excited and I'm majorly nerding out. But I know that you guys can come with me. <laughs> so who's coming with me on our, on our journey here, okay? The Ark of the Covenant is made of acacia wood that is covered in gold. What does that represent? It means that the ark is made of wood. Wood represents mankind, but it's mankind covered in righteousness. That represents Jesus. Jesus is fully man and fully God, fully righteous. Amen? The lid, or otherwise called the mercy seat, was made of solid gold that had been beaten. Amen? Do I even need to explain that one? Solid gold righteousness, that's Jesus. He was beaten for our transgressions, amen? And that is the seat of mercy. God's good. Inside of the ark was the law, the stone tablets, also the golden pot that held manna and Aaron's rod that budded, okay? What those three things represent is man's inability to keep the law, Man's rejection of God's provision of manna. How many of you know said, we're sick of this manna, this useless manna, right? Okay. And then um, man's rejection of God's appointed authority. They didn't believe when God said, this is my authority, and he had to prove it to them with this budded branch. And those are all placed within the ark, which is Jesus. Okay, so all of the sins, all the transgressions, the disobedience, man's rejection of God's provision is inside the ark and then covered by the mercy seat that was beaten for us. Amen? When sacrifices were made, they would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. What does that represent? Blood. The blood of the lamb, blood of Jesus. Okay? Um, you're not allowed to look inside of there because it will kill you. Why do you think we're not allowed to look inside of there? In order to look inside of there, you have to push aside the blood of Jesus, and you have to push aside the mercy seat, what God intends for mercy, to look back at the law, to look back at our sins and transgressions, to look back at the, the rejection that we gave of the Lord. We have to push aside Jesus. And that's why in the Old Testament, the people that tried to look in there instantly died. It's because looking at that stuff produces death. Amen? The law and all of man's disobedience is covered under the blood. It's covered under the blood. 
The cherubim were made of solid gold on the mercy seat, and the presence of God would reside between them. When else do you remember seeing cherubim? In the Garden of Eden, there were cherubim placed to guard the entrance to the Garden of Eden. And now they're right there, and the presence of God is dwelling in between them. And what are they looking at? They're looking down at the mercy seat. They're looking down at the blood of Jesus. They actually can't see the law. They actually can't see the sin and the rejection because it's covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen? How many of you know that's good news? <laughs> Super good news. You know, you see the Indiana Jones movie, and you, you're actually afraid of the ark. It's like, ah, oh, the ark. But that actually represents God's presence. It's Jesus, God's presence. Amen? Now, how many of you know the story of Uzzah? They were transporting the ark, the oxen started to stumble, and then Uzzah went to try and steady the ark, and just by laying a hand on it, he got killed. That is kind of a scary story, right? It's kind of like, oh, keep the ark away from me, and oh, the presence of God must be scary. Oh, no, like that's, that's you know, that always scared me. I was like, oh, he was just trying to, like, what, what did he do wrong? He was just trying to help. He was just trying to, like, steady it or whatever. Um, it's, it's important to know what all of things represent, okay? So David was actually disobedient to the Lord's instruction when he called for the, the ark to be brought back, okay? The way the instruction was given to always transport the ark was to put it on poles and then carry it on shoulders, on men's shoulders, okay? That was the instruction. David didn't honor that instruction, and what did he do? He put it on a cart and had it pulled by oxen, and that's not what was supposed to happen, okay? So he wasn't obedient. Why does that matter? Because oxen are used for hard labor. Oxen are used for hard labor. Oxen represent works. Oxen represent works. Works have no grace to usher in the presence of God. Your works have no grace to usher in the presence of God. That is good news. Because I don't know about you, but I am done working and striving. I done did it. <laughs> and it is not fruitful, and it's hard, and it's not fun, and you feel beat up. And we don't even need to do it. That's not even what God asked us to do. Amen? It's easier than we think it is. Works have no grace to usher in the presence of God. The oxen stumbled. Works can stumble and fall. Uzzah reached out to try and lift up the ark and was struck dead. Um, what you need to look at is what Uzzah's name means. Uzzah's name means my strength, as in man's strength. Do you see why I'm nerding out here? <laughs> I'm like, what? That's crazy. Like, God, how do you do that? Like, you name people and they end up in the right place. And, you know, it's like, stinks to be him, but, you know. <laughs> but he was being disobedient, you know. So his name means my strength, as in man's strength. If it meant God's strength, his name would have been Uziah. But it's Uzzah, which means my strength. Okay? You can't catch, you can't reach out in your own strength and try and help God. Hallelujah. <laughs> you can't reach out in your own strength and try to help God. It's not sustainable. You can't do it. It's not going to help him. It leads to death. You can't handle it. You can't move the presence of God by your own strength. You won't last. And that is good news. Because we're not called to work. Okay? So once that happened, David is now angry at God, and he's also afraid. And he's unwilling to have the presence of God near him in his city. Okay? So here's the danger. When man tries in his own effort to help God in his own strength to usher in the presence of God through works, it always fails. It always fails, but it seems like it's the right thing to do. It seems noble. It's like this is how the world works. You have to work really hard, and that's how things happen. You have to make stuff happen, okay? But I was trying so hard, God. Why did this thing fail? I was trying so hard. Maybe it's because you were trying so hard. <laughs> Maybe it's because you were trying so hard to strive in your own strength. Amen? God desires mercy, when works fail, man gets mad at God 
And then they may decide to abandon the presence of God. And that's what David did for a time. Um, if we could put up 2 Samuel 6, 10 to 11. 2 Samuel 6, 10 to 11. And David was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Um, Gittite means that he's from Gath, which means he's a Philistine. Okay, so they finally got it back from the Philistines. And then David gets upset. He's like, I don't want that near me. And he gives it to a Philistine. Okay. Um, Thus the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. (laughs) Now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Okay, so what happens? He's like, I don't want this thing near me. It's scary. It killed my friend. I don't get it. What's happening? Leave it at this guy's house. He takes it to that guy's house, and that guy is blessed. All of his household, so much so that it catches the attention of the king in just three months. How much blessing you think took place at Obed-Edom's house for it to capture that many people's attention in just three months? Do you think there might have been some material blessing in there? Something visual that would catch people's eyes. That Obed-Edom was blessed because the presence of God was just parked outside his house. How awesome is that? How many of you want the presence of God parked near your house? How many of you want to encamp around the presence of God? Okay? Even if it looks silly, even if it seems like, well, what's the purpose of that? There's a supernatural blessing. There's supernatural favor. How many of you know favor is a spirit? Favor is a spirit. Obed-Edom didn't prosper and get blessed because he worked hard. He actually didn't do anything. He just had the presence of God in his proximity. And the spirit of favor rested on him and his household. Everyone in his household was blessed. Caught the attention of a king. After three months. Three months, that's like halfway through July. President Trump is like, you guys' house like, is blessed. I need to know what you're doing. <laughs> it's like, it's a big deal, right? Our houses are blessed when we keep the presence of God at the center. Amen? The favor and blessing was not based on performance or merit. Obed-Edom didn't do anything. It was based on his proximity to the presence of God. Amen? Now, here's what Obed-Edom's name means. And it's crazy because <laughs> I'm nerding out. Okay, so Obed means worshiper. Edom means of blood. When we worship Jesus and we remember his finished works, God's presence will bring noticeable favor and blessing to your life and will bless your household. And it has nothing to do with you working or striving. It has everything to do with his presence and your proximity to it. Yeah. So let's just all raise our hands. Lord, we receive the spirit of favor. (laughs) We receive it, Lord. We receive noticeable blessings. Yeah, we worship you, Jesus. Lord, we look to your blood. We look to your blood. We look to your works and what you did and what you accomplished. And we thank you for a blessing poured out that we can't contain. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let it be noticeable to people around us that they're like, oh, I want some of that too. (laughs) And we thank you for it, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Yeah, so David decided he wanted the ark back. (laughs) Good decision, right? He's like, after all, you know, maybe I should have this back in my city, right? So David decided he wanted the ark back and uh, went and knocked on Obed-Edom's door. And Obed's like, (sighs) probably not so happy. Um, He actually admits that he didn't follow the Lord's instruction. And this time he gets it right. And he tells the Levites to carry the arks on poles on their shoulders. So why poles on shoulders of Levites? Okay. The poles were made of acacia wood. Acacia wood, in case you don't know what that is, it was um, like, like the wood that was readily available all around the, that area, okay? Wood, again, represents people, leaders, stuff like that. It's ordinary. Ordinary people, gold-plated is what those poles were made out of. So ordinary people made righteous is what can lift the, the presence of God, okay? 
what is allowed to move the presence of God. Ordinary people made righteous can carry the presence. Shoulders represent where you carry your burdens, where you carry your responsibilities, okay? On, on the one hand, it seems like, well, isn't that harder to lift this thing on your shoulders versus putting it in a cart and carrying it, okay? Um, but putting it on your shoulder would represent this is what you're going to carry, this is your burden, this is your responsibility. The only burden on you is to lift up Jesus and carry the presence of God. That is the only burden that he has put on you. That's how he wants you to behave around his presence. How many of you know his yoke is easy, his burden is light? Amen. So much lighter than the burdens we place on ourselves. The expectations, the shoulds, we're trying harder, we're trying to do better. Amen. The only burden that he has placed on us is to lift up Jesus, to worship him, to remember his blood, and just to... Be a carrier of his presence. It's good news. Amen. The presence of God is moved by worshipers. That's who Levites are. Worship. How many of you know worship is valuable? Worship is valuable. Soaking in his presence is better preparation than hours and hours and hours of study. Amen. Let's put on the screen Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Um, eleven twenty eight. it's funny, God speaks to me through clocks a lot, but I've been saying eleven twenty eight over and over and over again. It's crazy. So God's been drawing attention to rest, okay? Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. His expectation for you is rest. His expectation for you is just to be in his presence. And it's so much easier than we think. That's the burden, okay? So whatever it is that you're called to do, whatever it is that he's created you for, you know, the works and stuff that he has for you, it looks like this. It looks like rest. It looks like ease. It looks like just coming into his presence and worshiping. And then he just brings it to pass. We just partner. We get in his presence. Lord, what is your fire on? What is your fire on? Just, okay, let's go this way, Lord. I, I, can, I can tell you as someone who is... Uh, uh, recovering striver, <laughs> I can put a lot of pressure on myself and think that it's God putting the pressure on me. I should, I have to, I need to work harder, I'm not doing enough, uh, you know, and I've, I've told a little bit of this story before, but um, we had just had baby Evan, and he was a newborn, and because I had to, like, kind of take a minute, rest, you know, from church activities and stuff like that, because I was so big pregnant, and, you know, you got to rest in those seasons, but I'm not one that likes to sit down very long, and I kind of like to do and make stuff happen, which is why um, this is a fun journey for me, <laughs> but uh, we'd had the baby, and I was like, yes, now let's get to work. I'm like, you know what, we need to do a home group, because I think home groups are where it's at, and it's awesome, and let's just do it, whatever, and so we, like, started this home group. It was awesome. We, like, invited neighbors, and we're like, this is going to be great, or whatever. We get to the night one of home group and I've got like we strove we fought you know cleaning the house and making the house look nice getting the snacks ready or whatever and then no one showed up <laughs> and we're just like hmm what are we doing you know and like that's when we got the wise idea just like you know what let's ask the Lord were we supposed to do this like was that you know like sometimes when you're doing something and it feels hard that's a good question to ask like Lord did you actually call me to do this or am I just did I agree to this or did I just sign myself up for something that I don't have grace for so we asked the Lord, we're like, are we supposed to do this right now? And he's like, no. <laughs> he wanted us to rest longer. He wanted us to, you know, just enjoy the baby and, you know, whatever else he had. He just wasn't on that in that moment, okay? So now we get to more recently, um, we just felt the Lord's fire. We're just like, Lord, what are you breathing on? What, do you, what are you doing? What do you want to do? Because I'm done spinning my wheels, okay? I'm done doing stuff for the sake of doing it. And I'm like, Lord, what is your fire on? And he starts saying revival groups. And I'm like, Lord, last time it was not fun. 
I'm like, what's going to happen this time? And I'm like, what? before that, we had had a really successful one, and that's why I was following the pattern, right, of like, well, this worked before, so let's do that again, but we didn't consult with the Lord, okay? But this time, he kept telling me, he's like, it's going to be awesome. He's like, my fire is on it, and it's going to be different than you think. It's going to feel different than your other Bible study. And I was like, okay, Lord, we're doing it. And then, like, the whole church signs up, and I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And the revival groups are awesome, and it's like, there's already community happening. People are already ministering to one another, which is beautiful, which is what I love, is the church rising up and being the church. And it's like, yes, and I don't have to work hard to make it happen. It's just his fire is on it. So we just go, we follow the fire. Amen. Changing the world is so much easier than we think it is. Our only burden is to lift up Jesus and carry his presence. Um, let's put up First Chronicles 15, 26. Okay, so now they're lifting it the proper way, the way the Lord had um, prescribed. And it says, because God was helping the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. Now what stands out to you in that? Who is helping them carry the Ark of the Covenant now? God is now helping them. There is grace on this. Why is God helping them? Because the Ark of the Covenant is heavy, okay? The estimates are upwards of like 615 pounds, okay, carried by usually four, sometimes six um, men. And they had to deliver it from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem, which was 12 miles. And every six paces, they stopped to sacrifice bulls. <laughs> so it was heavy. That would be, a, that would be quite, uh, quite a thing. But the difference is now God is helping them. There's grace, okay? They're, they're doing it the way the Lord had called them to do. There's grace. They sacrificed every six paces. Can you imagine that, 12 miles? How, how much blood do you think is in a bull? <laughs> Can you imagine what the site would look like? Every six paces. I don't know how much a pace is. I'm guessing one to, I'm going to be beyond that wall, sacrifice a bull right here. Do you think the blood is going to run pretty far? They probably walked this big, long, messy path of blood, right? But they were blood conscious. They were conscious of blood. What do, what do we know that represents? The blood of Jesus. They were conscious of the blood of Jesus. They're worshiping. Their, their only burden is to carry the presence of God, and God is helping them. Amen. That's what ministry looks like. That's what our callings look like. Amen? There's no presence of God without the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus really, really matters. Um, Holy Spirit loves when we talk about the blood of Jesus. Okay? This is the proper order. God helping man to carry his presence. Not man trying to help God with his works. Amen? God's grace. God's grace. Turn to your neighbor. Say, I'm going to stop trying to help God. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor. Say, God's helping me. <laughs> okay. So they're bringing the ark, which is the presence of God. David is now dancing wildly and praising and rejoicing. And it looks like a spectacle. It's crazy. And then Michael, his wife, is looking through a window, and it says she despised him. She despised him. And she's like, oh, you're just putting on a show for all the slave girls, like half-dressed and, you know, stuff like that. And so he stands up to her. He's like, no, actually, he's like, this is what God has called me to do. I'm dancing before the Lord, and I will even get more undignified than this. <laughs> right? He's like, I will actually be humiliated in my own eyes. Okay? Because the presence of God is what matters. Okay? How many of you know that you get in the presence of God and you might look a little undignified. <laughs> you might look a little undignified. It might look funny to those that are a bit religious. It might look funny to those that are maybe judgmental, right? Okay? But it's like, no, I will celebrate the Lord. And I will dance before his presence. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. 
Can I just tell you that I've had moments and encounters with the Lord where he like knocked me flat. And I'm not, I'm not a person that likes to just, you know, be a spectacle and draw attention to myself. But he has knocked me flat where I'm just like laughing out loud and I'm twitching and I'm shaking. And I'm very aware that people are watching what is happening and are confused and don't understand and whatever. And I have to fight the fact that I'm being humiliated in my own eyes. Because I'm like, God, if this is your presence, I want it. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense to my human logical mind. I know that you are doing things in that moment that I can't even, I can't even describe and I don't necessarily even need to know. Amen. His presence is what matters. Now, I am not for weirdness for the sake of weirdness at all. But when the presence of God is moving and is doing something, man, let's follow the presence. Let's just, let's just go after him. God, if it's you, I want it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if this humiliates me. I don't care if people are going to judge me and think that I'm faking it or trying to put on a show for people. I don't care because I, I'm, I'm done striving. I'm done working. It's, it's so tiring, and that's not what you've called us to do anyway. Amen? Amen. So the Lord started speaking to me um, the word reconciliation. Reconciliation. Now, we know that um, we carry the ministry of reconciliation. We're about to celebrate Easter. God has reconciled us to himself, right? Now, I have always thought of that in terms of like when you reconcile with someone, it's like now you're back on good terms again. It's like we worked stuff out. Like you're welcome back in the family again. Like God likes you again. That's reconciliation. That's kind of always how I'd, I'd, how I'd thought about it. But um, I have been using this new financial program called YNAB, Y-N-A-B, which stands for You Need a Budget. <laughs> and um, I really love it. I've been getting into it. And like the Lord, you know, like he likes to wink at you with stuff that you're into or whatever. And um, there's this big green button in the right-hand corner of the screen that says reconciliation. And when you push that button, you get to see if what you think is in your accounts is the same as the truth of what's actually in your accounts. Okay, so the Lord is speaking to me about reconciliation, okay? We have been reconciled to him, and I think there's many of us that have a measure of understanding. It's like, okay, God lets me in the door. Like, I, I, maybe I'm, I'm going to make it to heaven, I think, you know, that kind of thing. But there's this other level of mathematical reconciliation that I think sometimes we don't understand. We think we have deficits where we don't have them. And he's wanting to push the reconciliation button for you so that the way you have accounted your accounts lines up with the truth, with what he has placed in your accounts. Amen? Because Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. He overpaid. He overpaid for you. He overpaid for your healing. He overpaid for your blessing. He overpaid for favor to just rest on your house because his presence is with you. Amen? How much more residing inside of a box is the presence of God? The presence of God lives inside of you. Inside of you. He is overpaid and you lack nothing. If you are in Christ, if you have given your heart to the Lord and he is your lamb, you lack nothing. But I've messed up. I've made so many mistakes. I'm like, I'm on a lesser thing. I can't pray for someone's healing because I, I haven't prayed enough this week. I have deficits. And he's like, no, reconciliation button. Look at what's in your account. Because it's about what I did, not about what you do. It was never about what you do. It never was because you could never do it. You could never have performed it. That's the good news. He knows that. His desire is mercy. But I did this thing and that thing back then. Don't look in the Ark of the Covenant because you will die. Don't look back there. You're not supposed to. It's covered under the blood. Amen? Hit the reconciliation button. Is your estimation of your net worth consistent with the truth of your net worth? Are you accounting well? Because we're only able to receive and walk in what we think we're worth. We're not going to access the money in our account that we don't think we have. We're not going to spend it. Amen? God is hitting the reconciliation buttons of your hearts right now. 
in the name of Jesus. I declare that that revelation is going from your head to your heart right now, from your head to your heart to your gut, to the inner core of your being of how good Jesus is and how wonder-working his blood is and how miraculous it was that he poured out his blood over you and you have been washed clean in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. He's transforming minds this morning. (laughs) He's transforming minds this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Accounts are being reconciled. Reconciled to the truth. Amen. God is bringing personal reconciliation to people who thought they've had deficits. People that say, I can't experience joy. I can't experience God's presence because, 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 because. Don't look in the Ark of the Covenant. It ministers death. Look to the blood of Jesus. God's pouring out inner reconciliation with ourselves this morning. He's restoring your joy through Holy Spirit revelation and true reconciliation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. So let's talk about rest versus works. Okay, you guys know the story of the children of Israel and how they worship the golden calf. It's like Moses was like, I've been gone five minutes and you guys are worshiping a golden calf. <laughs> right, he goes up the mountain. It's like, what are, you, what are you doing? And they're worshiping a golden calf. And what are they saying to the golden calf? They're saying, this thing is what delivered us out of all of our troubles. This is what delivered us from Egypt. And it's a golden calf. Now we've already talked about oxen and cattle. What does that represent? Works. And then works that have been gold-plated is like saying, my works have been made righteous. And that's why it's an abomination to the Lord. Because works are not righteous. They can't be, they never could. We can look at the Israelites and be like, oh, how stupid, they're worshiping a golden calf. But we do it so easily. I do it so easily. Where I'm like, oh, you know, like, God helped me through that thing, but you know what? I was also praying really hard. (laughs) I was also reading my Bible a lot, you know, and I'm just like worshiping the golden calf of my own works, right? Instead of what God did supernaturally. So works sound like this. Work sounds like this. Try harder. Do better. Pray harder. Be a better person. You have to be a better person for God to bless you, for God to help you, for God to heal you, for him to be near you, for him to like you, for him to love you. You should, you should, you should. You have to. You just gotta. Can I just erase that? You just gotta from our vocabulary. You just gotta. I'm not doing enough. I need to strive. I need to work hard to please God, to get him to do something. I need to work hard to convince God to do something. How many of you know God was already convinced when he sent his only son to the cross to die for us, for our healing, for our anointing, for everything that we need? He already decided that. While we were yet his enemies, amen. How many of you know, we don't have to convince God of anything. He's convinced. He's already paid the price. Work sounds like this. It depends on me. It depends on me. I'm my own source. I worship my own works. That's what the voice of works sounds like, okay? And I'm declaring to you that today is the end of striving and works in Jesus' name. Okay, rest sounds like this. I'm resting in what Jesus did. I am loved. I'm soaking in his presence. I'm asking him what his fire is on, and I'm just following his fire. Rest sounds like encounters. Rest sounds like worship, joy, rejoicing, celebration, lifting up Jesus and how awesome he is. Amen? My only burden is to lift up Jesus and to carry his presence. Rest sounds like, Lord, what do you want me to believe? Not, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What, can I, what must I do to work the works of God? I want to heal people. What must I do to work the works of God? Jesus says, your work is to believe. Amen? Your work is to believe. Lord, what do you want me to believe today? That's what rest sounds like. He is good at his job. Amen? So when it comes to money, God wants you richly blessed more than you know. He wants you richly blessed more than you know. Uh, I have a testimony. I won't share the fullness of it right now, but um, God helped us get out of $60,000 worth of debt um, on a very 
humble salary of just one person's salary, $60,000 worth of debt, and it took us less than a year. Because when God puts his supernatural on your natural, it will blow your mind. And you know what? We made stupid mistakes to get to that $60,000 in debt. And I could have said, you know what? This is my own burden to bear. I put myself in this position. I messed up. God's grace is not going to be on this. And it's like, nope. That's all under the blood. It's in the ark. Don't look in there. Okay? And then he puts his supernatural. It was amazing. Glory to God. Amen. So I declare to you, this is a debt-free church. <laughs> I, dare, I, I declare to you that this is a debt-free congregation in Jesus' name. Credit card debt is nothing for Jesus. Yeah, it's nothing for Jesus. But I've made mistakes. I've gotten myself into this trouble. Don't look in the ark. It'll kill you. It'll stop you. Don't look in there. It's under the blood. Partner with God. God, what are you doing? Favor and blessing will follow you because the presence of God is in your house. It's in you. Amen? So I release a spirit of favor and blessing to rest on each and every one of our households. In Jesus' name, I declare that the anointing for the cancellation of debt is upon each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, that credit card debt is going to be uh, paid and forgiven and supernatural finances are going to come in to provide. And we just thank you so much for it, Jesus. And we declare even mortgages being paid off. It's like that's the debt that we all think is normal and acceptable. We declare even mortgages are being paid off in Jesus' name. Is anything too hard for you? Is anything too hard for you? Your presence is awesome and mighty, and I declare that your favor and blessing is bigger than any mistake, is bigger than any debt, is bigger than any interest rate, and we just thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We receive it in Jesus' name. When it comes to healing, Jesus never told anyone that asked him for healing, oh, I'm sorry, it's just your time. Not once, not one time. Oh, I'm sorry, it's just your time. You haven't learned your lesson yet. Bummer. Oh, you actually got yourself into this mess. You actually drank too much or you smoked too much or whatever, so I'm actually not going to bail you out of that now. You never hear Jesus say anything like that. Amen? Never, ever, ever do you ever hear him say that. Nope, there's actually too many generational curses for me to do anything with. Sorry, that's been in your family too long. You never, ever, ever hear him say that. Never, ever, ever. I'm sorry, you just don't have enough faith for this. Go and muster up some more faith and then come back when you're ready. You never hear him say that. Never, ever, ever. He's the healer. It does not depend on our works. It's his presence. It's who he is. It's who he is. Let's put on the screen Matthew 4.23. Matthew 4.23. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind. Someone say every kind. Every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. How many kinds? Is there anything not on that list? Every kind of disease. Every kind of sickness. Diseases, infections, sickness, feebleness, even like even aging and things that come with that way. There is nothing that Jesus didn't heal. Amen. There was nothing that was too hard. Matthew 9.35 says he healed every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. Matthew 15.30 says, and large crowds came to him, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others, and they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. He didn't turn a single one away. Amen? Matthew 12.15, can we put that up on the screen? Matthew 12.15, but Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him, and he healed them all. He healed them all, every single one. Jesus is perfect theology. He is perfect theology. Look to the blood of Jesus. Now, why is healing important? Okay, I, I've even gone through these thoughts. Like, sometimes it seems silly. Sometimes it seems arbitrary. It's like, okay, so this person's knee got healed. And it's like, okay, well, a knee got healed. Well, they could have taken pain meds. Or they could have gotten surgery or, you know, or whatever. They could have just dealt with it. What's a knee pain? 
to God? Doesn't God only care about big stuff? Is there big stuff to God? Is there really levels, you know, to God? I've actually had thoughts like that. I'm like, what well, does it matter? If someone's headache got healed, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, when we worship Jesus, we're giving Jesus what he deserves. Amen? We're giving Jesus what he deserves and what he's worthy of. And he's worthy of our worship. Amen? Can I tell you that healing is worship. And healing is what he deserves. Your healing is what Jesus deserves. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes you were healed. He paid too high a price for me to suffer even with a headache. So when a headache gets healed, that is worship that Jesus deserves. It's something that he paid for, and we're like, we're going to get you what you paid for. Amen? It matters. It's a big deal. When you see the presence of God show up, you see people get healed. Amen? Amen. And it's because he's the healer, and he's good at his job. He's good at his job. My job is just to carry his presence. I don't know how to heal someone. I'm like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't heal anybody. My job is just to carry his presence and just believe God, believe the blood of Jesus, and just, all right, I'm releasing healing right now just by faith. Amen? Because he's good at his job. Don't look at the ark and what you've done and what you haven't done enough of. It's what he did, and he's done plenty. Amen? When I pray for healing for someone, I'm not begging God to move. I'm worshiping him, and I'm giving him what he deserves. Amen? So I release healing to all of you right now in the name of Jesus. I say be healed as worship unto Jesus. That is what he deserves. I release healing to all of you to operate in your bodies, to quicken your mortal bodies to life because the spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And I de declare it's quickening um, your body to life right now in the name of Jesus. Even the things that we think are like no big deal, like even macular degeneration. I declare that he's healing eyes in Jesus' name, that he's healing the things that we think are hard. And we just thank you, God, that you're doing it, Father. You're doing it, Jesus. And that you're getting what you deserve, Lord. And I just release right now an anointing to heal others. In Jesus' name, it's already paid for. It's about Jesus and what he's done. And we just thank you, Lord, that we're gonna see people healed through our hands. It's gonna become such a normal thing that we're gonna forget all the testimonies. We're gonna be like, oh, Lord, oh, no. What if we forget all the testimonies? Where are we gonna write them all down? I'm gonna run out of space on my computer to write down all the testimonies of Jesus using me to heal heal people. We just thank you, Jesus, that it's you. It's you and it's what you deserve, Lord. And we thank you for it, Jesus. And lastly, let's talk about anointing. Anointing, it's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. It's the anointing, okay? It's not hard to be anointed. It's not hard to be anointed. Anointing comes from his presence, Proximity to his presence brings anointing, okay? Being anointed is not hard. A handkerchief can do it. If a handkerchief can do it, you can be anointed, okay? Instead of having your faith in your ability to do something, in your ability to speak, in your ability to minister, have faith in his ability to anoint what you do, to anoint what you say, anoint how you minister. Amen? You are my shrimp. That can have an anointing on it. Someone could get healed. It's because his heart's connected to Jesus. It doesn't matter. He doesn't know the words. It's not about what we say. It's his anointing on it. Amen? Amen. The anointing is what matters. In Acts 4.13, Peter and John, the people saw them in their boldness, and they knew that they were, they saw that they were untrained, uneducated men, and they marveled, and they said, we know that they've been in the presence of Jesus. Amen. It doesn't matter if you're untrained. It doesn't matter if you're uneducated. It doesn't matter if you don't think you have gifting. 
Don't look in the ark. Look at the mercy seat. Look at the blood and what he's done. Amen. The finished work of Jesus needs to be at the center of our focus and everything we do, resting in him, in his presence. I'm, I'm just so uh, looking forward to and excited about the day, and I think it's sooner than we think, that we're all just laid out, and we don't even need to lay hands on people. People just come in here, and it's like, you know, walk by, and shadow is healing people. And just like someone just like lifts up our hand and says, okay. <laughs> and we're just laid out in the glory because that's just how awesome he is. That's just how good he is at, at his job. Yeah, resting in him. This brings the presence of God when we rest in Jesus' works and we don't try to help God with our works in our own strength. Just lift Jesus up in worship and carry the presence of God. He helps us, and he brings us favor and blessing. We just encamp around his presence. We just worship him. We just rejoice. We celebrate. It's actually really fun. Even if others don't understand, even if others judge, it's easier than we make it. Amen? So someone say, I can change the world. Someone say, I am going to change the world. (laughs) With his help and not with me helping him. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. So Jesus, we just thank you, God. Thank you that you really did it all, that you've set us up for so much success. It's ridiculous. God, that you even fix our prayers. Lord, Holy Spirit, that you come and you even fix our prayers and we don't even know how to pray. You come and fix them. I thank you, Jesus, that you're interceding at the right hand of the Father on our benefit, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that even if someone brings an accusation, that you, Jesus, are our lawyer. (laughs) And God is the judge who is our Abba Daddy. Everything is fixed in our favor. I thank you, Jesus, that we're more than conquerors. God, that the blood truly has washed everything away. And yeah, so we just declare every accusation of the enemy now, we just say, ha, 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 the jig is up. You're such a liar. You're such a liar. Yeah, the voice of the accuser, we just silence that right now in the name of Jesus and with the blood of Jesus. We thank you, God, for your anointing, and we just say yes and amen to you anointing us right now. Lord, fill us up. Fill us up with your presence. That's what we need. That's what we need is more of you, more of your presence, God. Yeah, we thank you for it, Jesus. We thank you, Lord.